0: Welcome to the Make Money Behave podcast, where we talk about your money, your circumstances, and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. My name is Maria Casillas, and I am honored to be your host. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Make Money Behave podcast. Happy Monday to you. I hope you've had a fantastic weekend and you are ready for an amazing week ahead. Now, in our last episode, I talked a little bit about the difference between a debt snowball and a debt avalanche. I know not everyone listening to this has debt, so perhaps you are tempted to check out, but I encourage you not to because the things that we talk about when we talk about debt are actually things that are applicable to just about any area in your life that you would like to improve. If you do have debt, you may recall that in the last episode, I actually encouraged you to make a list of all of the debts you have, all of their balances, their minimum payments, and their interest rates. If you took that call to action to heart, you might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed right now. I know I was. When we actually took that step and just pulled our heads out of the sand, I was shocked that $92,000 is what we were facing as that next mountain that we needed to climb. That shock led to complete overwhelm, which could have led to a complete breakdown. But we chose to not let it. Instead of allowing ourselves to go into an emotional breakdown, we decided to break down the goal into smaller pieces. Rather than standing at the bottom of a $92,000 mountain of debt and looking up, going, how are we ever going to get to the top? We instead said, what is the first step that we need to take in order to start climbing this mountain? You see, when you put your head up and look at the top of the mountain, it is almost impossible for you to get there. Because that space in your head keeps telling you it's too hard. It's impossible. There's no way. But if you can put your head down a little bit and focus just on taking that next step that you need to take and then doing it again and then again and then again, before you know it, you actually are halfway up that mountain. Then you can celebrate and say, what did I do to get to this point? And then you put your head down and you do it again and then again and then again. And before you know it, you have reached the top of that mountain and you can celebrate for real. So that's what we did, and that's what I encourage you to do as well. I want to give you an example of this, and if you'll indulge me the opportunity, I'm going to talk a little bit about my daughter, and I'm not going to talk at all about money for this couple of minutes, okay? So my 13-year-old daughter, she's in middle school, and one of the projects they're working on right now is to read the book of The Diary of Anne Frank, and then to work with her group, create a PowerPoint presentation, and then present that to her class. My daughter's really great about wanting to meet classroom deadlines and not putting things off to the last minute. Just one daughter. The other one, she would she'd procrastinate on anything if you let her. But, but this is my eldest, and so she has that whole you know, oldest child syndrome, and, uh, and so she, she's very cognizant of deadlines and such. So she had already, without any help from me, she had already set up a plan on how she was going to read her book and then meet with her group members and and then create her PowerPoint presentation. Well, the school announced the last minute field trip that they were allowing some of the middle schoolers to go on. And this field trip was going to be about two nights overnight. So they were going to miss about three days of school. It just so happened that those three days of school that they were going to miss were the three days right before the presentations were going to be due for their book report. In trying to help the kids plan, the teacher suggested that anybody who plans to go on that field trip might want to make sure that all of their work is done the week before so that they can go on their field trip and enjoy it without feeling the stress of knowing that their homework had not been completed. Well, my daughter, who's a people pleaser, she came home from school that day and she looked at me and said, Mom, I just don't know how I'm going to get all of this done. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I mean, you had a plan, you're, yeah, but now the teacher wants us to be done a whole week in advance, and there's just no way that I can get all of this reading done. I mean, I have to do all of the reading before, and she started to go into all of the things that were going to feel impossible to her. I had her calm down, and I said, okay, you have two choices. You can either panic, or you can pivot and plan. Of course, she looked at me like I had three heads. (laughs) But then when, when I explained to her what I meant, she understood a little bit better. I said, how many pages do you have to read? How many are left? She said, I think I have about 220. And how many more days are there before you need to sit down and work on the presentation with your group? She said, seven. Okay, perfect. So let's take that 220 pages, honey, and let's divide that by seven days. And let's just see what we get. So she plugged that into the calculator, 220 divided by 7, and the answer she came up with was 31.43. So I looked at her and said, okay, so you need to read 32 to 35 pages every single day between now and the time that you are ready to sit down with your group for your presentation. Is it possible for you to read 35 pages a day? And she looked at me and she said, well, yeah, I mean, I usually read 50 okay, great. So on the days that you're able to read 50, read 50. And that will help plan for the days where maybe you're only able to read 20 or 25. Okay, mom, I'm going to try that. So she goes on her merry little way, and she sets herself up for reading 35 pages on day one. On day three, she came up to me and said, mom, thank you so much for helping me break that down because I'm already halfway done with my goal and I still have a day and a half to spare. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be when I took it one day at a time. Now she's only 13, remember, and she was able to recognize that feeling of relief that comes with breaking something down into more manageable bites. So the other piece that I want you to grab from this story is to remember that my daughter had a plan. She had been given information, she already had put a plan in place, and she was executing that plan. Well, until circumstances beyond her control caused a need for a shift in her plan. Now, how many times has that happened to us? Bringing it back to money real quick, I can tell you that it happened to us a whole lot. It still happens to us regularly. I remember telling you in one of the episodes that 2009 is when we actually started our debt-free journey. And in around 2011, my husband got laid off. That was not part of our plan. We were ticking along just fine until, bam, layoff. So we pivoted. We adjusted how much we were paying extra on our debt snowball so that we could still feed our kids. We got creative on how to bring in a little extra income while he was laid off. And of course, three months later, he was able to find a job and we were able to get our plan back on place. And then just a couple of years later, we had a little miracle baby. Now, I say miracle baby because we had had several losses before having her, and when we did have her, the company that my husband was working for at the time did not offer health insurance. So we had to have our own health insurance. We were paying premiums of about $500 a month. This is back before that was normal. And so we're paying these high premiums, but the deal was that particular insurance plan did not cover anything maternity. So not only were we paying high premiums, but we were also in charge of all of the prenatal stuff. And because we had had several losses before, I was on certain medications that weren't covered and were very expensive. Needless to say, that was not part of our plan. That was not worked into our financial plan when we sat down and had broken it down into small pieces just four or five years prior to that. Well, then... That little stinker came about eight weeks prematurely. So you can imagine that she needed NICU services and such. And we had a high deductible plan at the time. And because we were on a high deductible plan, we had to pay out the first $10,000 before the insurance would even kick in. Well, if you have had any experience with a NICU baby, you know that $10,000 is charged probably in the first 15 seconds of someone being in the NICU. So it didn't take but, you know, a day for us to actually receive that bill and know that we were on the hook for that $10,000. Was that part of our plan? Not originally. I can tell you, though, that when we got pregnant, we knew that that might be the case for us. And so we actually did put our debt snowball on hold and we started just stashing up as much cash as we could, knowing that we'd probably have to pay extra for this little one. But I share all of that because there were several points in there where we had to pivot and plan again. But at any one of those points, we would have been absolutely justified in just panicking. But what good would that have done us? None. And what good is that going to do you? None. So today I challenge you. If you wrote down all of your debts and you stopped and looked at them and and panicked, I want you to take a step back and I want you to decide instead of panicking, I want you to pivot and plan. As I've said before, and I will say it again, there are obviously circumstances that happen to us. And in those instances where things happen to you and you really have no control over them, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told my daughter. You can either choose to panic or you can choose to pivot and plan again. And don't go it alone. Going alone is going to get you stuck in your head and you're going to have a hard time seeing the forest through the trees. Find someone you trust and let them know what your mountain looks like. They're not emotionally attached to it. So use that lack of emotional attachment to your advantage. Let them help you break down that plan into bite-sized pieces that you will feel comfortable or at least capable of achieving. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast where we talk about your money and your circumstances and the small changes in your behavior that will have a big impact on both. If you haven't already subscribed, do so so you don't miss out on what's next. And have you left me a rating yet? That would really, really help. As I'm just getting started, it's impossible for people to know who I am or what I'm teaching without hearing from you, the listener. If there's a particular question or topic you'd like me to address on the podcast, please send that to Maria at cashinonchange.com. I promise to read every email. And if you include your city of residence, I will be sure to give you a shout out on the podcast during which I would address that question. I appreciate you listening today. Bye bye. <music>